it's fantastic to see you. It's been way too long. We haven't been able to sit down and chat. We've both been busy. I know you've been busy. You've been up to a lot of different stuff with your life and paying bills and driving places. And maybe you went to that new Whataburger that opened down the street. I know I tried. I tried Whataburger. Honestly, I'll, I'll be real with you. It was a, a little underwhelming. The burgers, similar to Sonic, a little bit better quality. I had the onion rings. The onion rings were decent. But the true MVP of Whataburger thus far for me is the Dr. Pepper milkshake. I loved it. I thought that was fantastic. I'm curious to try their breakfast. I think that maybe I'll try that this week. I'll I'll let you know how it is. So what have you been up to? What have you been doing? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I watched a little bit of it. It was... I was pulling for the Bengals. You know, I'm, I'm not really a big, uh, big football fan, but I'll sit down to watch a game. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, I, I, I thought he was going to win, but uh, the, the Rams just beat him out in the end. But that's how it goes. But enough about all of that bullshit. I want to talk to you about the show that I played on Saturday night in Clarksville with none other than Violet Moons. Old James on the drums, James Varner, previous guest of the show. Of course, Josh Norfleet on guitar. And then Kira and Aubrey singing, playing acoustic, tickling the ivories, if you want to call it that. I mean, I, I, I like that term, tickling the, the ivories. We did a, a cover of uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane, and that was really cool. That was fun. It was a house show. And I'll tell you, Clarksville is cool as fuck. There's always an audience when I've I've gone, the two times I've gone to play up in Clarksville. I really enjoy playing up there because the audience is enthusiastic. People are excited to play music. You never really know what you're going to get with a house show. Like, is the sound going to be good? Are people going to be drunk? Are they going to be sloppy? What's going on? None of that was happening. There was a lot of fucking people there, though, which is awesome. It's a place called Enter Through the Back Door. Cody Parson put it on. He was also running sound. He had some assistance from a guy that was there. I, I don't know what his name was. He, he was very tall, and he was very nice, though. Um, but it was cool. There was a band called Heads Against a Flower. Um, they were fun. Winton Existing, Sugar Kit, and Blue Willow. So I, I really liked it. I, I'm thinking I want to start going to, uh, to play up in Clarksville more um, just because it's nice to play for people who want to actually hear you play. We played in this garage. I was worried as fuck when we first got there because I'm like, fuck, we're playing in a garage. It's cold. But there were so many people that it wasn't an issue. Everyone was standing and having a good time and dancing and doing that whole thing. You, it's always a mixed bag with, with shows, but they were down for it. So it, it made me feel like, yeah, I'm down for it. And even if they weren't, I, you still got to rock and roll. You got to put on your game face, whether you're going to win or lose, but it was an easy audience to play for, which is always nice. I want to give some shout outs, uh, for some of uh, some of the people that have been uh, coming out to the shows, Elijah up in Clarksville, um, I, I met him uh, at a Weird Sister show when I played with them at the Coloring Block, I believe it was called, 
And then Paul, who comes out to all our Violent Moon shows. Uh, he's a big supporter of music, a fan of music. He, he's always very pleasant to talk to. And I appreciate you, Paul, if you're listening to this. Thank you for supporting the music here. Thank you for supporting the bands I'm in. It's nice to know that someone cares. Also, shout out to Nampa, Idaho, who is ever listening out there. I can see all my streams of different places on SoundCloud. So shout out to you, Nampa. Um, If you're not following me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, the underscore Poptimist, Meredith, New Hampshire, Ashburn, Virginia, Norwalk, Connecticut, Mount View, California, Reading, UK, Tanta, Egypt, and Melilla, Spain. Thank you for listening. If you have never spoken to me or don't know me from in person, hit me up on Instagram, the underscore Poptimist. I'll shout you out by name. Anyways, brother, here's Wonderwall. As soon as you concern yourself with the good and bad of your fellows, you create an opening in your heart for maliciousness to enter. Testing, competing with, and criticizing others weaken and defeat you. That is from The Art of Peace by Morihai Ueshiba. I still don't know if I'm saying his name right. I'm trying my best. I I listen to videos of people saying his name. Maybe they don't know how to say his name. But the point being, I wanted to do a part two on this book, The Art of Peace. Um, I've been reading from it and taking some notes, and it's really been, it's been making me think. And I think that's all that I'm really looking for from anything is just to make me think, even if it's just pointless. I don't know. Is everything pointless? Maybe it is. But what does that mean, though? As soon as you concern yourself with the good and bad of your fellows, you create an opening in your heart for maliciousness to enter. How can perception of good create an opening in your heart for maliciousness to enter? It's a judgment of moral character. It makes me think of billionaires that donate a bunch of money to charity. I question their reasoning from a jaded standpoint. But that's just my perspective, though. I always think it's about fucking taxes and that they don't actually want to help. But maybe they do. Who am I to judge what they're doing with their money? I am superimposing my distrust of rich and powerful people. But how else can good, perceived good, create an opening for maliciousness? Perhaps you perceive someone as better than you. Many of us have a voice of self-doubt in our heads. When someone else succeeds or is given accolades, does it bother you? 
Does it remind you of the goals or achievements you yet to accomplish? It can create resentment, and resentment is a spiritual poison. How can bad create an opening for maliciousness to enter? I feel like this one's a little bit easier. Anytime I've concerned myself with someone else's wrongdoing or lack of character, what have I gotten? The answer is nothing. It makes no difference to my everyday life. Maybe there is something that someone said or did that is bothering me or bothering you right in this very moment. What's bothering you right now? Just think about it. Maybe someone made a little comment about your weight or how you, uh, how you peel a potato. Sometimes you have to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize that most of us are just on autopilot. I had a thing with a friend recently where I made some uh, offhand comment about uh, something he was working on, not even thinking about it, and he, he got offended. And uh, it was just some offhanded bullshit I said. I just cracked a joke, and it wasn't even anything that I was serious about. But um, I could tell it bothered him a little bit, and I, I felt bad about it after. So I told him, I was like, yo, I, I didn't really mean that earlier. I was just uh, shooting from the hip and, and talking shit, uh, trying to be funny to you in the moment. And uh, I think he forgave me. In the past, I've superimposed the narrative of good and bad, of heroes and villains in my own life. What have I learned from dealing with the quote-unquote villains? Well, for one, breaking even is a victory. Don't get involved in a pissing contest to satiate your ego or to satiate my ego so I can prove I'm right to no one but me. And there are times where I have felt justified in whatever primal emotion it is that I'm feeling that someone I can, I can see, I've felt that they've clearly wronged me. But nothing good comes from me pointing that out. Uh, I think it's good if you have to put up boundaries and limits and maybe communicate that in a healthy way. But that's difficult. That takes practice and that takes understanding of the human being that you're dealing with. Um, I had a professional situation last year that I felt like I was, I was wronged in, that I was treated poorly in. And I was really holding a grudge against this person, but it was doing me no good. And I had to take a step back and think about, okay, this person said or did X, Y, Z to me, but am I, am I overreacting? And the answer was, yeah. Um, in the, in the grand scheme of things, in the game of life, we are all trying to get ahead. And sometimes somebody can make a move that feels like it's against you, but it's really not personal. What else have I learned from quote unquote villains? They are people too. It isn't life or death. There is always a better way to handle a situation. I always attempt now when I have a disagreement with someone to take a breath, step back, and observe 
my half of the street and what I have to own in it. How did I bring this here? I attempt to keep my side of the street clean. Testing, competing with, and criticizing others weakens and defeats you. Pushing someone never works unless they are willing to push themselves. Testing someone creates turmoil in interpersonal relationships. That can be business, whatever. Uh, Dating, whatever you want to call it. Why in the past have I felt a need to test someone? For me, it's always to try and reveal them. Reveal them as my enemy. To show that they are against me, the grand master of the universe. But that is just my fucking ego. To a certain degree, competition is natural and healthy. But as I've gone through in life, looking over my shoulder, seeing what other people are achieving and trying to compete with them does me no good. In fact, it normally, usually hampers me. Along the way of getting my teeth kicked in enough, I figured out, well, maybe I should just be competing against myself and what I've done. Um, done in the past. I think competition with self is important in terms of self-improvement. And it's, and it's not just like that for music or whatever, you know, I, I feel like with the podcast, uh, I'm alone on an Island sometimes. So I'm always just trying to do a better episode than, than the last and make improvements to it. But with music, you, you, there is a little bit more of a competitive streak there. Um, and I think there is for a lot of musicians too, but the funny thing about music is art is subjective. You know, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, a competition, I guess, in terms of selling records or streams or whatever you want to call it. Um, those are things you can compete in, but, um, I, I've always been of the mindset personally that if someone, it's like a DIY artist like me and they're getting shit done. I want to ask them questions and see what their mindset is. Like, how did you do that? How did you get that many streams on Spotify? Or how did you, uh, how did you get, like, how did you record this song? What, whatever it is, you know, you name it, any of, any of the many aspects of music that there is. Criticizing others never works. A valid complaint I've had against me in the past multiple times is that I am barking at people for their flaws. Like I am God, I get frustrated and egotistical. And in those moments, I always feel everything I said was justified, but that that's talking about what I was talking about a minute ago. I mean, just because you feel justified doesn't make it right. A few months ago, I was caught up in a super toxic work relationship and I was really like heavily criticizing this person a lot. They were communicating to me that they wanted to do this, this job, um, for me and for others. And I kept pushing them, kept pushing them. And every time they completed a project I would tell them what they did wrong. 
And all it really did was create a lot of bitterness and resentment towards me, which is my half of the shit, you know, and in every situation there's, there's two halves. It was because I view, or at least I did, um, I viewed this person's success and failures as a reflection of myself. Um, I wanted them to have an easier time trying to rise up through the ranks uh, than I did. And they have a different personality type than me. And I, I like looking at it honestly, I, I probably really hampered their growth. At a certain point, it became all I could think about. I got up in my own, my own head about it. I felt betrayed by someone I considered a friend and that I trusted I allowed it to jade me, and I festered on it for months. It goes back to taking a step back and realizing that I was starting to criticize someone for the path that maybe they didn't want to be on. It confused me. And sometimes when I get confused, I just get angry. Don't be concerned with others. Be concerned with yourself. I guess that's the moral of the story of that one. The penetrating brilliance of swords wielded by followers of the way strikes at the evil enemy lurking deep within their own souls and bodies. I think the sword he's talking about is both metaphorical and literal. If you are engaged in physical combat with someone, The most extreme aspect of it is you are trying to kill them and they are trying to kill you. I I guess the uh, the more metaphorical sense is mastery of a craft. I mean, sword fighting's a craft. If you if you really think about it, it's a it's a form of art. And if you're trying to master any form of art, to a certain aspect, you have to learn to master yourself. There are days where you don't want to show up or sit down and do the work. By doing what you don't want to do, you are sacrificing for self-discipline. Doing what you don't want is uncomfortable. By mastering a craft, you are in the process of defeating your own inner demons, such as self-doubt, fear, anger, and anxiety. But how is evil being eradicated from our own souls and bodies. In terms of body, you are pushing your, uh, your physical limits with mastery. I mean, uh, to make it in the most literal sense of the actual sword fighting, but it can be like that too, I guess, if you're painting or doing music or uh, trying to build a building, you know. Um, our bodies have limitations, and you have to figure out what those are. Crystal clear, sharp, and bright. The sacred sword allows no opening for evil to roost. What is the sacred sword? Well, first, let's start off with what a sword is in general. A weapon. But why is it sacred? It protects you. Weapons are used in combat for self-defense. The sword is sacred because you are using it to protect your life against both enemies foreign and domestic. I guess in a way, 
anytime you're trying to master a craft, you know, just as I was talking about, you were, you're finding out where your flaws lie. They all come to the surface and you can't avoid them. There's, there's been a million times where I haven't wanted to go to a practice or record a podcast or do whatever, but it's about putting in the effort. And I always feel a sense of relief once it's done because there have been, there have been plenty of times in my life where I didn't show up. My first couple of years in Nashville, I didn't show up. I used to chicken out a ton going to Kara's Blues Jam. I would put it on my calendar. I'd tell myself, I'm going to go every single week. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Um, And there's plenty of times where I just chickened out. I was afraid. All the players were better than me. When I go out, I don't necessarily feel like the most social guy ever either. I don't really want to talk to people, um, which makes me seem very standoffish and probably very dickish. I think it's because I'm shy, you know, um, which is funny to say the guy talking into the microphone right now, um, never shuts the fuck up, but in those scenarios, I really feel like I'm a, I'm a listener and a, and an observer. I want to see and hear everything that's going on. Uh, and I almost wish, wish to be invisible. To practice properly the art of peace, you must calm the spirit and return to the source. Cleanse the body and spirit by removing all malice, selfishness, and desire. Be ever grateful for the gifts received from the universe, your family, mother nature, and your fellow human beings. Calming the spirit. What do you do to calm your spirit? I know what I do. Um... You know, it's shit I've talked about a ton on the podcast. Meditation, yoga, all that good stuff. I'm curious to hear what other people do. Whenever they're up in their own heads and they're feeling anxious about something. Feeling uncomfortable about something. Anxiety. I, I still have anxiety sometimes, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, the past couple of months, truthfully, I've been kicking my ass. And I've had a lot going on in my personal life and it slowed me down a little bit at a rate that I'm not used to being slowed down at. I'm always thinking about bills, money, music, my career, dating. I think everybody is. Whatever it is in your life, you're probably thinking about it too. In those moments, I lack presence. When I lack presence... I am living in the future or the past or the coulda, shoulda, was, which never does anybody any good. How do I bring myself back through being present to being present? Those things that make me feel in my body and in my mind, because your mind, your body, and your spirit are two are three separate things. Excuse me. My goal is to try and get them to be as harmonious and working with each other as much as possible. But it takes me daily fucking practice to do. And sometimes I'm lazy, truthfully. Sometimes I say, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that today. 
How do I train and break that voice though? Is it something that can just be broken? Is it just done through the act of doing? To me, jazz is a form of music that is like the sword that's mentioned. It's based on both skill and being in the moment. You have to understand and embrace music in a different way. Music theory, for instance. Jazz on the surface is chaotic, but those who play it are in the never-ending process of self-mastery. Sometimes you fail, but that's how you learn. Sometimes when I'm playing, whether it's at rehearsal or practicing at home or even on stage, I'll zone out. I'll get on autopilot and I'll start thinking about sex, lunch, and death, you know, the big three, as they say. And in those moments, I am not present. But that is enough about music for the moment. Once your spirit is calmed, you can return to the source. In the first part of this series, we discussed what source is. And it's all the living things on this planet being interconnected. We are all connected to what is commonly referred to in religions as God for lack of a better word, whatever you want to call it. In the modern world, spiritual beliefs are accepted and religious beliefs are frowned upon. So, like spirituality, I think there's this new age spirituality that's that's out there um, where people claim that, you know, they can read your records and uh, figure out your past lives and, and other bullshit like that in order to solve all of your problems in life. And I, I think it would be cool if it was true, but I just can't buy into it. I feel the same way about religion. I can't buy into religion either. It's appealing. And I think there's a lot of great lessons that you can take from all the religions of the world. Cause they basically teach you how to be a functioning human in society. Removing any kind of spiritual grounding is a mistake for for me um, because it makes me feel like I'm the biggest thing in this world um, or the the controller of my own life. And you are, to a certain degree, the controller of your own life. But going back to the episode I did recently with Love Montage – we talked about free will and he's saying he lives as if he has free will, but he knows that he doesn't. And I don't know if I agree or disagree with him on that, but it it makes me kind of think about it a little bit. Cause like how much of it is just, we are flying through this fucking universe in this meat suit, rationalizing the decisions we make after we've already made them. Maybe that's something I'm going to try and be more aware of this week and moving forward in general. But I'll put a focus on, f- focus on it this week. You know, Not to say I won't focus on it in the future. I'll, I'll focus on it in the future. But yes, that's what I think.
I think God, though, this whole thing, all these people arguing about God and fighting each other and killing each other and shit, I've never understood the religion thing. You know, I think a lot of people love to shit on like the South for being religious and all that. And I don't know. I just don't care. I don't care if so, if someone is religious, um, but religion can cause people to do crazy batshit things like go into a synagogue and shoot it up or go like Westboro Baptist church. They fucking go in, uh, and protest funerals of soldiers. I think whatever God is, it's way more psychedelic than we could ever imagine. Um, some religious shit gets pretty psychedelic. I'm not familiar enough with any of the biblical stories to, to really be able to dish out on that. But just the idea that there's this guy that can turn water into wine and he came back from the dead, pretty fucking psychedelic. Removing all malice, selfishness, and desire. These are three human emotions that can cause us to inflict pain on the world. Malice has often caused me a lot of heartache. By using my tongue to lacerate someone, I'm weakening my own spirit. Even if I feel justified. Malice has caused me to feel wronged. It's always when I feel wrong where I feel malice. Remember, kids, Hitler felt justified, as did the terrorist fucks on 9-11. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they never read this book and they also never meditated. But that makes me think of Harry Potter in the sorting hat. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, He tells Harry, you are capable of great but terrible things. I think every single one of us in our own lives is capable of some kind of greatness or capable of some kind of horror that you can't even imagine. You think of someone like Gandhi, for instance, he tried to do good in the world. Maybe he could have been a version of Hitler or maybe Hitler could have been a version of Gandhi. If they were given different circumstances and decided which wolf within themselves that they wanted to feed. Selfishness. It's egotistical fear being inflicted upon the world. My needs first, which is a natural human instinct. Children are naturally selfish. We are trained by our families to learn to play nice with others. If you have siblings, then you, you probably get that. You know, you, you learn that pretty early and, and often. You can't always get what you want. But if you try some time, you get what you need. Selfishness usually comes to greet you with its two siblings, twin siblings, envy and jealousy. To counterpoint that, sometimes you must put yourself first and sort out shit in your life to be able to help others desire it's the most seductive of the primal three desire is the longing of earthly pleasures such as a new car 
a new relationship and a brand new life. Maybe you want to move to a new town and just start completely over. And sometimes that's good, but wherever you go, there you are. It is an inherently if-only mentality. If only I could move to wherever, I'd be happy. If I sold a billion records, I'd be happy. If Kat Dennings wanted to marry me instead of Andrew WK, then I'd be happy. Earthbound lies lead to spiritual demise. Even when I felt in life like I didn't have a lot, I really did. I've always had my sisters, um, my dad, music, sunshine, rain, happiness, sadness, um, the full range. I think uh, in order to, uh, to appreciate, as cliched as it is, the good shit, you got to have a lot of bad shit happen. And it happens to every single one of us. It's unavoidable. My car broke down at the end of November. Mentally and emotionally, I was down and out. But a gift from the universe came. I had a positive attitude when my car broke down because I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm not going to fret about it. It's easy to get upset in those moments. But what is it worth really getting upset about? You know, uh, It's not going to make the car part get here any faster or make the bill to, to fix it any cheaper. But that gift from the universe was I got 150 bucks from my bank that I wasn't expecting. They were doing like this end of the year gives back thing. Shout out to Ascend Federal Credit Union. Um, and yeah, I just randomly woke up one morning and the money was there. And I was like, thank fucking Jesus. For a long time, I perceived family as a burden. With your family, you have to have accountability. I think you probably, that's one of the places that you learn accountability. I've never really been good at that. Being accountable to others, I think in a professional sense, yes. But personal relationships, it's never never been my strong suit. Family is very important. They are a gift because they help you when you get sick. They help you in those moments when you are down and out. And you have nowhere else to turn to. And not everybody has that. Um, I am lucky to. I, I never really felt like I did just because of the way that I grew up. But, ne- you know, uh, I had to change that story in my head. Um, I've always had a lot of support from my dad, and I've been very lucky for that. Um, as well as my older sister, Liz. She's very supportive, too. Mother Nature. What if we are already in heaven? What if we've already lived a full life in some other matrix galaxy or galaxy or some shit? Um, and now we're in heaven. And maybe this is like, uh, here we have free will or perceived free will. Who's creating the program in this simulation? Whoever it is, they have a great sense of humor. Or maybe they have no sense of humor. I can't really tell. On this planet, there is the Atlantic Ocean, Sahara Desert, the peak of Mount Kilimanjaro, and the Great Plains here in the U.S. That's quite the range. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Colorado is paradise on earth. 
but we uh, like mother nature has such a wide fucking range of what it is. And as do humans on this planet at the end of the day, all any of us really want to do is just love our families and not have a job and just kind of do our own thing. Each and every master, regardless of the era or place, heard the call and attained harmony with heaven and earth. There are many paths leading to the top of Mount Fuji, but there is only one summit, love. Who are some great masters? Da Vinci, Tom Brady, Miles Davis. Three different masters from three different eras. But what is the call? The dream. Creating a masterpiece, winning a championship, or climbing Mount Fuji. It's the bolt of lightning that hits you in the middle of the night and causes you to jump out of bed and write a song. To take those extra steps to keep going when you're on a jog, you don't feel like you can do it. To not give up when you get knocked down. What does it mean to attain harmony with heaven and earth? How does this help with the art of mastery? There are different ways to reach enlightenment. And I hope I don't sound like a fucking cunt talking about all this. Honestly, it makes me insecure to be like riffing on all this shit. Cause I'm like, who the fuck wants, uh, wants to listen to me, you know, on one hand. And I'm like, well, I didn't have a guest this week. So I, I kind of had to do this. I had to put up an episode. But that's beside the point. There are many different paths a master can take. And sometimes the path is easier than others. You know, you like when you go to go to hike a, a mountain, there's there's different trail rankings based on difficult difficulty level. I think those struggles along the way though are what reveal your character. And you can learn and grow, you know, maybe you go along the backside of the mountain and it's a treacherous path, but maybe if you walk up the front side of the mountain, it would seem like it's easier, but maybe there'll be a mudslide that keeps knocking you back down. The most interesting part of this one for me though, what does it mean for love to be a summit? The only summit.